Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Today, we have a very, very special day. It's going to be a family meeting in just a little while, but um, we have just, I, I told you last week, we were going to be interviewing a wonderful couple this morning as they came back uh, from a mission trip that they, their last mission trip that they went to, they were telling so many great stories. And I, I just looked at them and said, you've got to share this with New Song. This is like, this is so New Song, you got to share it. And uh, my, my wife is actually going to be up here with me too, which is just a miracle in and of itself. And so I want you to welcome uh, Charles and Alma Weaver. Would you welcome them up here? And uh, I, I'm going to let my wife kick this off. We have another microphone here. I'm going to be using the blue microphone. Um, I'll hand that to my wife first. Charles and Alma, you just stand in the middle. Me and, me and Jennifer, we got, we'll, we'll take the sides. How's that? You get over here and stand next to Alma. I'll, I'll stand next to Big Chuck. I call him, oh, never mind. I better not say it. This is not appropriate. Uh, well, I, okay, I call him Chuck. And then when I talk to him, I'll say, what's up, Chuck? Get it up, Chuck? That's terrible, isn't it? That's just awful. <laughs> I love this couple, and they love us. And um, uh, Jennifer, go ahead and start out. Yeah, I'm only up here because I promised Alma if she came up here, I would too. So, <laughs> But we went last uh, year, at the end of the year, we had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to the Yucatan, and, and Charles and Alma were um, with us. And on that time, as I was talking to Buck, who's in charge of the ministry there in the Yucatan, he was telling me about what we were going to do and, and things like that and how this area has never been reached before. Um, and they go in, um, their teams go in, and they share the gospel with people, and people get saved and then they leave. And, and we were gonna be doing the same thing. We were gonna be going into these villages and sharing the gospel and offering the plan of salvation and people were gonna be saved. And then we were gonna leave. And I, and I talked to Buck about that and said, well, you know, what, how do they get discipled and what are they gonna do? And, you know, I mean, just they know Christ, but there's no one there to disciple them. And as we as a team were there, we, that was a discussion we all had together. And, but there was nothing we could do. God, we knew God had called us there to go on this mission trip, um, but we didn't know what he was going to do in the future. And, um, and so these people are my heroes right here because, um, you know, no matter what age you are, if God calls you, we're still called to go, you know. And so, you know, we tell you a lot often, you know, you see a need and fill it. You see a hurt and you help heal it. And... And a lot of people see these needs, but they don't do what it takes to, to follow through and to help heal and to meet a need. And so, like I said, these, are, these two, I just love these two so much. And so um, we're going to ask them a few questions so that they can explain what God's been doing in their lives, how they got to this point, and things like that. So first of all, you guys, just tell us your names and about how long you guys have been coming to New Song. Uh, my name is Alma Weaver, and I'm being... In church when they started Night at Columbus. Yeah. So over 16 years. Yeah. And, and uh, this is Charles, obviously. You don't have to call him Chuck. You can call him Charles. 
And, and uh, yeah, he says, Charles is fine. <laughs> so uh, 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 how long have you guys been married? Be <laughs> Dude, look, I look away. That's awful, man. Next service, you're going to get that right. <laughs> We're going to be 13 years in June. June 14th, we're going to be 13 years. 13 years, yeah. And I remember Alma coming to our house and said, this guy is really pursuing me, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, let's talk about it. Let's. You remember that conversation? We had you over for dinner yes, and uh, yes. prayed with her, and uh, God was certainly... God was certainly in it. What I want to ask you guys is, is first of all, how did you sense the call of God on, on your life? And, and when, did you, when did you sense it? And, and how did you respond? Um, you know, take everybody through that. Are you going to talk at all, Charles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's like, <laughs> we'll leave it to Alma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I remember when Charles went to Haiti. I'm sorry. It's when Charles went to Haiti. And uh, um, when he came back, the first time they went to um, a mission trip, and um, I was working in Martins, and Charles, you know, doing construction. And uh, when he came back, I mean, you can see him in his eyes closed because it was so hot over there. Um, and he was smell too. <laughs> <laughs> so he hugged me really hard, and he told me, I love you, honey. I said, uh, okay. I said, uh, but he said, uh, um, the next time, with a submission trip, you go with me. And I'm like, me? Why me? He said, because I wanted you go with me. And at that time, you know, I see Charles change. I mean, he was completely changed. And I said, okay. So um, when I come back to church, Jennifer told me, he said, we're going to Nicaragua. I said, oh, good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charles said, no, you go with us. I pay already for the trip. I said, oh, really? And I said, honey, but I know how it is living over there because I'm from Mexico. I was really poor, and I know how it is. And then he said, well, it's okay, but you go with us. I said, okay. So I remember we went to Nicaragua. There was a good experience. Believe me, there was a good experience. And, uh, but still, you know, I was like, okay, that's fine. So then, then we went to Haiti. And we come back, and I thought that our job was going, you know, one week, and that's it, come back. So when we went to Yucatan, you know, even I was, I knew that God was talking to my husband and his heart because he was, um, we saw our house, you know, because I remember Pastor Allen and, and Toby, they were in our house, and they were not, they come in and knock in the door and said, that your house is for sale. They signed and I was there. And I said, um, I said, well, talk to my husband. And my husband said, yes, we're going to sell the house. I said, okay. But in that time, my husband had another house for us. You know, our house was big in that time, and... Now we live in one-bedroom house at this point. So anyway, so God was preparing my husband hard that I didn't even know. And then we went to Yucatan. And I was telling Jennifer, I know, even I told him, um, told Jennifer, I know my husband was telling me, you know, about missionaries. But I told him, you're not going to go by feelings. It has to be by the spirit. Well, when we come back, 
my husband was, you know, talking and he had everything. Believe it or not, he does talk. I promise he does. (laughs) (laughs) He was talking and and I said, okay, I know this is this is not right. I walk into my bedroom. He was still talking. I walk into my you know to my bedroom and boom, the Holy Spirit told me, listen, be obedient. And then he told me, even in Spanish, "Se obediente." I said, "Gara, I'm obedient to you, obedient to your husband." And I was like, "Okay, God." And God told me, "You have to be obedient. You have to be under your husband." And I said, "Okay." I opened my, you know, my ears, and my husband was still talking and talking. He was having everything planned and everything. I said, "Okay," and then. He again told me, you got to talk to Pastor Justin. I said, oh, that's not going to happen. Because Pastor Justin always, you know, busy. And then that time I didn't even know the office. And I said, well, okay. He have, they had a, a, a meeting for uh, going to Yucatan. So well, they had the meeting usually this in this room. I was looking for my husband. And my husband, he was close to Pastor Justin's office. I think it's a conference room. And I was there, you know, with him. I look and I went over there and here again, the voice. It was Jesus. He said, um, talk to your, your pastor. I said, the second time, talk to your pastor. And I said, okay, I went over there. And I said, Pastor, you know, God told me that uh, um, my husband, my husband said that we're gonna go to Yucatan. And then Jennifer said, you guys the right couple. I said, really? <laughs> he said, yes, you're the right couple. And I said, okay, I guess. So we start praying. And um, so we went over there for the glory of God. And uh, my husband, he was, he's an awesome person. I mean, we've been over there and then camping churches. Um, amazing. It's been amazing. I, my husband... And be honest to you, uh, one of the questions is, um, if I was nervous. Yeah, I was myself, not my husband, because my husband really was ready to go. And then he told me, but you remember, you was told me that you want to work with people. I said, yeah, right here, not over there. <laughs> I was, okay. But God told us to be obedient. And more important to be obedient to my husband. But you know what? God was talking in my mind. I remember was saying, oh, I'm happy you do this. You do that. Look at your kids. Look at your grandkids. And God told me again, it's not about you, Ama. It's about God. And I said, oh, God, you know, it's true. We're not perfect. My husband and I, we never even went to school. That's what I thought. That we're not going to qualify to go over there because... My husband, you know, even sometimes he told me they had to comprehend when he's reading. But I told you this, when we went over there, uh, he asked Jennifer um, a Bible. And then he started, you know, reading. He reading John two times. Even he don't like read. He read two times <laughs> John. And one of them, you know, even he read Matthew. And one time he was, oh, he was in tears. Can see he was in tears, and I can feel the presence of God. It was the Holy Spirit, and I told him, 
I'm checking right now. <laughs> He's, you know, he was so crying, and he said, <clears throat> he said, uh, Mama, this is too much. I said, no, this is the Holy Spirit. We were over there already, and he was in tears. He said, but it's too much, Mama. I said, no, but this is the Holy Spirit, and we can feel. And I told Pastor Justin and Jennifer, when you go on a mission like that, you, you lean into God, not only 50%, or 90% is 100%. There was 100%. <clears throat> when we come back, I told Pastor Justin that I was, I was feel like I'm not being belong over here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know why. I told Charles, I said, inside of me was something that I, I don't know, because we went, I mean, when we, the first time when we come back over here, Right away, my husband, when was over there, Ama, we need to come back. I said, really? He said, yes, we need to come back. I said, okay. He said, we need to bring a projector. We need to show those people, you know, a, a movie. We need to do this and that. And he was, okay, okay. So when we came back, Jennifer said, he said, we had everything. Whatever you guys need, we have for you guys. So are you going to say something, honey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, by the way, can I, I'm going to interject here and let you know that all of you are the ones that bought the projector and the screen and everything that they needed uh, to do outreach there in the village of Yakshe. That was all of you. You guys didn't know it, but you funded uh, uh, the, the events that they've had, and you're still funding that, by the way, because how, how many know that we support missions around here? We love that, especially of our own. So... <laughs> So, and you need to know, too, that Charles is a, a, a missions maniac. He's also a construction guy. He owns rental houses in South Bend, and, and that's how they're able to, uh, to make a living from that income that's coming in for, through his rentals while he's away in the Yucatan. He, he's still, he's got all of that covered. God just set this couple up for success. It, it's amazing that God, that, that God uh, well, how do I say this? It, it, it's, it amazes me that God knows things that we don't know and, and develops things for years for a purpose. And he's developing something in your life right now for a purpose that you might not even know, but he's working things together for your good and for the good of others. And uh, God set this couple up to be able to do this. And he's setting you up to make a difference too. So tell everybody how many, like how many salvations have you seen? Tell, tell us a, a couple of, you know, God moments that you've had. Yes, the first time there was um, this lady, the first time we went over there, uh, Cecilia and her husband, they went over there and visited us. You know, they were over there and went and visited us, and there was a wedding. So, there you go. <laughs> so they leave, and uh, as they, you know, because over there you don't have no service. You know, so you have to get uh, this place, uh, this Avano, Avan family to get a service. So I went out of contact with my family, you know, my family, and um, and you see these people going and out, going and out in this in this house, and and I see people crying, and I said, well, what's going on? And this, you know, lady told me, said, my aunt, she's sick, she uh, she's really sick and she's dying. I said, oh no. So I asked this young man, and I said, hey, can you take me to this person? And the first thing, you know, about pray. So I went over there and prayed, and I've been asking God that I want at least one person to, you know, for salvation. So I went over there, and everybody was inside the house. 
And uh, um, in the first thing, you know, I put my hands. I remember my husband always, when we go into the houses, always put his hands in, in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. So when I went over there and I put my hand at the door, I said, oh, boy, where's my husband? Well, my husband was over there taking a shower. So I was like, okay. I said, Amma, yes, you can do it. So I was, you know, because he always told me that. You can do it, Amma. You can do it. And I, I remember I put the hands in, and, and then the, the man asked me, you know, I said, come in, Amma. And so I went walking. There was a lot of people. And this lady was sitting down in the chair in an air. And when the meantime that I was walking, that's what told me how to pray for her. And she told me, being her level. I said, what do you mean her level? You know, and I put my knees, so I remember she can even breathe, that lady. And I remember I touched her hands. In the meantime that I touched her hands, there was like an electric, like, I don't know, it was hard to explain, you know? And I can see that lady start crying. And the only I told her, I said, I want to tell you that God loves you. God loves you so much that he knows your pain inside of you. I said, um, maybe you don't know Spanish because over there they speak in Maya. And they told me that then I speak, you know, Spanish. So I told her, maybe you don't understand what I said. I said, but God loves you and he knows your pain inside of you. And that lady, you can see, was crying, crying, I mean, tears. And then right away, you know, I told my salvation. I said, repeat inside of you my salvation, and I give you the salvation. And then I start praying inside out. I was praying for her. The next day, I went to over there, and I told Charles, you know, this has happened. And then he said, oh, good. I knew that you can do it. I know. So I went over there and I told Charles, and then we started praying for her that night. The next day I said, we need to go, we need to go see that lady. So we went to see the lady in front of the house. It's her mother-in-law. She was sitting down outside. She was sitting down over there, and when we, me and Charles, we, you know, because we hear, hey, hey. And then we went over there, you know, walking. I see that lady. She get up from the chair and walk. And give, us a, give me a hug. He gave me a hug. She gave me a hug. I'm sorry. She gave me a hug and she told me. I told her, I said, did you feel what I was feeling? And she said, yes. I said, that is God. And he's, you know, she's, he loves you so much. He gave you Jesus for you and for us. So we were talking and, and at that time you can see that lady all the time. It's mine. So she saved, and then we, we, been, we went back, and I've been talking with that lady, and, I, and now I told her, I said, now you can ask to heal, healing. And uh, I didn't I even see her feet, no swelling, and even, she's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and then the next time we'll be back, there was, we having the um, uh, activity for the kids, and everything they give us, and um, I think it was 14 kids because I told Charles, count, count, please. He was, you know, praying too. I said, count how many kids they've been saved. So he started taking pictures, but I think it was like a 14 kids they given, you know, life to God. And uh, um, 
we haven't almost, the last time we had like 30 kids almost. Yeah, 30 kids. That gave their lives to Jesus. Is that right? Well, there was 14. For 14 time. that gave their lives to Jesus, everybody. Yeah. And Isn't then they cool? start coming more kids and more kids. Yeah. So now that now we have pictures of them teaching these children that just sit around their room as they teach them the things of God. And, 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 and there in the Yucatan, the children know Spanish and Mayan, but only the older generation knows uh, Mayan only. And so a lot of times the younger people will interpret for Charles and Alma to the elderly. Yes. And, um, and so as all these children are sitting around learning from Charles and Alma, they, they fully understand what's going on. And 14 of them have come to know Jesus. Isn't God good, everybody? Isn't he good? Hey, I'm going to do something. <clears throat> they, they have no idea I'm, I'm going to do this. And uh, they're probably going to be mad at me, but I'm going to be gone for three months and they'll get over it by then. I went, I went, Kevin and Cecilia, would you two join me up here? And we're going to pray for Charles, Charles and Alma. Would you guys? And Valeria, you can come too, or you can stay. It's your choice. I'm not going to pressure you. All right. Because Charles, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin and Cecilia, they have a, a divine love for this people group too and for that, that, um, that country. And uh, we actually were down in, in uh, the Yucatan with Kevin and Cecilia and, and walked the streets and prayed for people, and, and uh, we're going to pray a blessing not only over the Drummonds, but also over Charles and Alma. Would you stand up with us today? Would you do that? And just stretch your hands out towards this couple. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the call that you place in our lives, that you work all things out for our good, Lord, and for the good of others, that you put things into, into place long before we understand what you're even doing that you work things out years before we ever get to the place that, that we, we even hear that call that, that you've placed upon our life, that you've already put things in place so that when we hear your call and respond, Lord, that everything's prepared, everything's ready, and that's your grace. It's your mercy, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. And I thank you for the calling. I thank you, Lord for the difference that this couple is making, not only the weavers, but also the Drummonds, Lord. I, I thank you for the difference that they're making in this, in this nation and with these people. And I pray blessings upon all of them, Father. May they accomplish exactly what you have called them to, the, to accomplish for the glory of your name. And may you give them a harvest that's greater than they could ever think or imagine. Father, as they love you and as they love people, Lord, I thank you that they are not only those who sow, but they are those who reap. And I speak that over their life today. And you get all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could we give God some praise this morning, everybody? Yeah. All right, go ahead and take a seat. I, I want to share with you some, something this morning. Um, the, the, the family meeting part is not going to take long, and I, I just knew that, that um, talking with them and encouraging all of you with their story uh, would lead into something. And I, I want to talk to you very quickly about, about the purpose that God has for your life. And if you don't know what it is, um, if you pray and if you allow us, we'll, we'll help you discover that purpose. And in fact, this coming... Um, Fall, I'll, I'll be uh, teaching a small group just about how to learn to dream. Like that God has given you a dream and maybe you don't even realize it yet. Have you ever had a dream and you knew that you had a dream but you don't remember the dream? 
See, a lot of you have, you have a dream and, and God hasn't revealed it to you, or maybe, maybe he's trying and you've just blocked it with some things in your life that, that has just kept you from dreaming the right dream. Maybe it's, you've just been sidetracked, your focus is wrong. Um, but I promise you, God has a purpose for every single one of you, and it's powerful, and it's going to benefit somebody else. It's a dream that's not going to benefit you necessarily. It's going to benefit others. But in benefiting others, it'll end up benefiting you. It, 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 and as you minister to others, you'll, you'll receive fulfillment that you never thought was possible. And I've told you this before, and I'll say it again, that you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve somebody else until you learn to minister to somebody else. I want to read to you out of First um, Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God has saved us, and he called us with a holy calling. I'm going to stop right there. He, he saved us, and he called us with a holy calling. Holy there is is. We're not talking about righteousness as much as separation. To be holy is to be separated. It's to be distinct. And you have, a, you have been set apart by God to make a difference in the world. You've been set apart by God. You've been given a holy calling. Not according to your works, it says here. Not according to your works. It's not that calling is placed on you not because you're a great person. Well, they're called because they're better than me. No, 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 no. God shows no favoritism. That he created every single person on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. That you have a holy calling upon your life. And it's not because you're a good person. It's not because you're a bad person. It's it's not, you know, for those ones who's really had a messed up life. Wow, you're going to have a great testimony. You're going to have a great ministry. Well, so was the person that never rebelled against God. How many know that to be true? Like, we all have a great purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ. So not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to you in Christ Jesus before time began. Meaning, before you were ever born, God called you. He set you apart for a reason, to make a difference, to make a difference. And if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He'll reveal to you what your purpose is. And some people embrace that purpose very quickly and easily, and others, it takes them a little bit longer. I was the one that it took a little bit longer. I grew up saying, I'll never go into ministry. Okay, well, finally, I, you know, after two years of college, I switched from a, a marketing major to a music major because I thought, well, okay, I'll go into music, I'll go into music ministry, but I'm not going to be a pastor. And then it was, okay, well, I'll be a pastor, but I'm not going to plant a church. And then it was, okay, God, I just give up. I'll do whatever you want me to do, you know. And, and, and the Lord called Jennifer and I here, and, of course, we planted a new song, and God has been so very, very faithful. Uh, let, let, me, let me share this with you, too, before, before I go any further. One of the signs that you don't know your purpose, if, one of the signs that I have seen in the lives of others who, who do not know their purpose is that they go to work in order not to have to work. They go to work so that one day they won't have to work. Listen, that is not your purpose in life. If you're just going to work so you don't have to work, meaning if you're going to work because you're just going to set yourself up for retirement and just take it easy for the rest of your life, 
If your goal is not to work in life, can I tell you, that's not your purpose. Because that doesn't benefit anybody else. And I promise the purpose of God upon your life will always be a benefit to somebody else. We are called to love God and love people. And so if you're just going to work so that eventually you won't have to work, can I tell you something? You need to discover your purpose. And it is a holy calling. It is a holy calling. You have been called by God. And God, I promise you, God has put things together in your life and he's putting things together right now that when you embrace your purpose, you're gonna be ready. That he, he has prepared everything for you that when you embrace that purpose, God says, okay. And, and remember this, the very thing that re, you refuse to give up to God is the very thing that he'll require from you. It's the truth. So why don't we just make it easy <laughs> on ourselves and just live lives of surrender? God, I'll just go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And I'm not saying that God will take you to another country. He might only take you to your next door neighbor. He might only take you to the cul-de-sac. He might only take you on your street. He might only take you to the break room at your, at your workplace in order to make a difference in the lives of people. You know what I've discovered with my boys working at ITEMCO is there are some people in factory jobs that need Jesus, everybody. They need him desperately and maybe God is taking you to the break room. Maybe he's not taking you to the Yucatan. Maybe he's just taking you to a next door neighbor, but whatever it is, live for the glory of his name. Live for the benefit of his kingdom and embrace the purpose that God has placed upon your life, everybody. So if you're working just so you don't have to work, can I, can I tell you something? Can you pray about that and just live a life of surrender to Christ and see what the Lord will do in you because as of right now there's at least going to be 14 children that enter into heaven and they're going to thank the Lord God Almighty for the ministry of Charles and Alma Weaver I promise you that isn't that incredible God is good God is good so I knew on this day of this family meeting we'll get into the meeting part right now but I knew on this day of the family meeting that that God had a word for all of us and I really felt that he was going to use the, the, the weavers to do that and I hope you're encouraged by that uh, of course, today is uh, uh, our last Sunday for the next 13 weeks. My wife and I will not be here, and I'm going to talk to you about that for, uh, just very, very quickly, how this is going to work, because this is our last Sunday here until the first Sunday in September. This is the last one. And um, so officially, because of tomorrow being Memorial Day, I mean, it doesn't officially start until Tuesday, but obviously, um, you know, the offices are going to be closed tomorrow, so technically it, it starts then what's going to happen over the course of the summer, I want to lay that out to you, that every single, every single Sunday you are going to be ministered to and cared for in, in a very, very special way, in a very powerful way. And In fact, um, there are, out, out of these 13 Sundays that I'm going to be gone, and by the way, 13 Sundays, it's going to fly by. It, it will just fly by, I promise you that. It, we'll be back before you know it. And over the next 13 Sundays, nine out of those 13 Sundays you're going to be ministered to, the, the speakers, nine out of the 13 centers are going to be New Song staff members, primarily Pastor Josh, who can just bring it, everybody. Pastor Stephanie is going to be speaking for the very first time, and I want you to cheer her on, everybody. Like, cheer her on. She's going to be speaking for the very first time. Um, we have uh, Dr. Bill is going to be uh, uh, sharing. We have Dan and Deb Pierce. Dan and Deb Pierce are right over here. Wave, Dan and Deb. 
They're right there. They are pastors, too. They're going to be speaking uh, three Sundays, I believe, while I'm gone. And then David Pleasant from Florida, uh, who, who has been up here and has preached for two or three times now, uh, he's Pastor Josh's mentor. He's going to be preaching one Sunday. And so that's who's covering it. It's, 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 just, it's just very few people, mostly staff. They're church members. The only one that's coming from out of town is, is David Pleasant. And, and he always does a great job when he's here. Of course, Pastor Dan and Deb, uh, Pastor Dan has preached for me before here on, on a Sunday morning, but they also oversee the Encounter Weekend that we had about 80 or 90 people attend um, uh, the last time we did the Encounter. And then, of course, COVID hit, so we haven't been able to do that. But we've already scheduled our next Encounter Weekend for September 25th, from what I remember. And so um, uh, Dan and, and Deb, they run that, and they do a phenomenal job, and they love the Lord, and they love the church and um, they, they, uh, they're living their lives to make a difference in the lives of others. So you're going to be very, very well taken care of. As far as Jennifer and I, what, what are we going to be doing? Nothing. We're, gonna, we're not going to do a thing. We're just going to rest. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to rest. We're going to spend some time with Jesus. It's nothing but quality time with God and quality time with family. And you say, well, why is that? Why do pastors get a break? I wish my boss gave us a three-month break. Well, you're in the, you know, become a pastor, and you can do this, all right? Um, like, it's not, don't blame me for your, your boss's lack of support in your life, all right? It's not my fault. But here at New Song, every, every full-time pastor gets a sabbatical. The, the senior pastor gets a three-month sabbatical once every seven years. The associate pastors get a one-month sabbatical once every seven years. So it's just in our DNA. It's what we do here at New Song. And one of the reasons why, and I'm going to share some, some facts with you that you may not know, that 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every, not year, every month, 1,500 a month are walking away from the ministry. And this research is done by Barna Group, who's extremely accurate, and also the Hartford Institute. 1,500 a month walk away from ministry. What's this, everybody? 83% of the spouses of clergymen or clergywomen, 83% want their spouse to leave the ministry. 83%. 90% of pastors leave the ministry before they reach the retirement age. So only 10% of pastors who start in ministry actually finish in ministry. 10%. How many know that something's got to give? Something's got to change. 50%, 50% of pastors here, and this is all just in America, 50% of pastors in America would leave the ministry today if they knew how to make a living doing something else. 50%, if they had the opportunity, would walk away from their churches this very day. That's sad, everybody. 90% of pastors, by the way, work at least 60 to 75 hours a week, 90%. And you, you say, well, that's really, really bad. Why is that? Because, because everybody, I want you to listen. I really strongly believe this. Because they lack rest and they lack refreshment. They lack rest and they lack refreshment. You know what we were talking about uh, last Sunday is the truth that when you're in ministry, and Jennifer and I know this full well, that Every single day of our life, somebody's withdrawing from us, withdrawing from us over and over and over again. Now, we have learned to feed ourselves. 
We, we, we have to. If we had not learned to feed ourselves, we would not be in ministry today because everybody's just withdrawing. And, and can I tell you, I'm not complaining about that. Like, I love what I do for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not a day that I dread coming in to the office, that I dread ministering to people. There's not a day that I wake up and say, oh, I hate being a pastor. I hate doing what I do. do. I, I actually absolutely love it. But can I tell you, it gets tiring when everybody's just withdrawing from you, withdrawing from you. In fact, yesterday I got, I got a phone call from somebody and they said, well, pastor, I don't want you to go on sabbatical because who am I going to call? And I said, you know, you got lots of people to call. I'm not the only pastor. You got lots of people to call. And, and, and in a way, I, I got off the phone. I said, you know, that phone call is just proof that I need a break, that I need a break because people are just constantly withdrawing. And, and, and think about it like this. Well, well pastor, I don't, I don't want you to go to, on break because I need you, because I need you. Well, can, can I tell you something? All the more reason that I need a break. I just need a break. And, and again, we have built it. This is my second sabbatical. Uh, we've built it in that um, it's just part of what we do, that we allow pastors to get away for rest and re refreshment. I want to tell you what happened since our last sabbatical. We have more than doubled in size, almost tripled in size, which is absolutely phenomenal. We have built a new facility since my last sabbatical, which can I, if I told you the stress level that I was under at, at, during that year and a half, um, you, you would be uh, very surprised. We, we, we not only planted 27 churches, we actually planted 28, but, the tw but one of the 28 churches was our Wabash campus. And everybody, that's no small thing, to go in and take over a building and completely remodel that and to put a pastor there and start building that ministry and growing that ministry and, and overseeing the growth of that ministry. And they are doing phenomenal, everybody. They are doing so very very well. In fact, they are on the cusp of being completely self-supporting at this point. They have grown so much that they're practically paying their own bills. Now, everything still goes through the main campus. Don't get me wrong. We're still, it's still one church in two different locations, but they are doing so very, very well. But that alone takes a lot out of, out of, a, of, of a pastor. We uh, endured COVID. <laughs> that was uh, just almost as stressful as a, as a building project. In fact, so stressful, you might Oh, I'm not even going to say that, but the COVID was tough. And it was tough. I've already told you this. It was tough because all of a sudden the church that I'd been working for for 15 years, not, not working for as in working, I, I mean, building, uh, uh, allowing God to use me, just doing everything I could to invest in this church and having this vision and going after this vision. And all of a sudden in one Sunday, it's just gone. Nobody's there. And the heartbreak behind that is, is so difficult for a pastor. I, I can't tell you, pastors know, but most people don't understand that everything that I've been working for all of a sudden it just wasn't there. And then are they going to come back? Are, are people going to be, are they going to, how are we going to do this thing? What if people just decide to stay home and don't come back? Maybe, maybe they were just borderline anyway, and now they're out of the habit. Are they ever going to get back in the habit? And, and can I tell you, we're still facing some of that. Did you know that? There's, there's still some people that, that just that that just stayed home during COVID, and now it's so easy to stay home that they just haven't made their way back. And if you're listening online and that's you, and you have no excuse, you're not concerned about COVID, you're just staying out at home because you're out of habit, can I tell you, don't do that. You need us. You need, to be in, you need to be in a place like this. You need to be in a room like this, be encouraged by the Lord and sense his presence and worship with other believers. Could, could, you guys know that to be true, right? Could you help me preach that one right there? 
and so there is, uh, you know, uh, pastors carry a load that very few people understand. Um, and we just need rest and refreshment. And um, so this is what we're asking from you. And, and I don't really have to defend that thing. I think you know that about Jennifer and I, that we, that we certainly, um, uh, we earn our keep here. We, we give you everything that we have at all times. We always do that. And so this is what we're asking from you. This is going to be a three-month total disconnect, a total disconnect. And, and what that means is you're giving us the ability just to rest. You're saying, you know what? There's other pastors I can pull from. I'm not going to pull from Pastor Justin and Jennifer. I'm not going to try to contact them. I'm not going to email them, message them, text them, call them. I'm going to let them rest. So not. let me say it this way, that not even our pastoral staff is allowed to contact me while I'm gone. The only people that can contact me are council members, and they will only contact me in case of, a, of an emergency. If there's an emergency, they'll contact me. Other than that, everybody, we have leaders that are so great that I don't question whether or not New Song is, being, is going to be in good shape when I return. I'm telling you, we have awesome staff members and awesome counsel, and I trust them completely. So Jennifer and I are not going to be using our phones. We're not going to be on, on Facebook, on Messenger, on our texts. I mean, every, literally everybody is going to be blocked except the counsel and our family members. Everybody else is just going to be blocked, and it's because we are just resting. That's what we're going to do. We're just resting. So the, the first one is, is just let us rest. And the second thing is just ease our concerns. Just let me say it this way. I'm, I'm only going to ask two things from you. I want you to let us rest, and I want you to be faithful. Let me say it this way. This is a rare opportunity for you to serve your pastor and his wife and his family. This is a rare opportunity for you not to be served, but for you to serve us. And, I, and it is an opportunity for you. And I want you to take advantage of the opportunity. I want you to pray for us every day. I want you to be faithful in attendance, in, in serving, in giving. I want you to be faithful in small groups. Can I tell you something that I told that person yesterday? I, I said, you know what? You, you don't need a pastor as much as you need a small group. You need somebody that you're just going to hang out with every single week that are going to love you and care for you and support you and, and, and train you and disciple you and be there for you. You need to be in a small group. That's what small groups are for. And so literally just a week, a week from now, we're starting our small group semester. You need to get into a small group. You need to get into a small group. That's what you need to do. You need to, everybody, because small groups are the place that you're going to find freedom in your life, and you're going to find encouragement. You're going to find, you're going to find help, everybody. So get into a small group. This is what I'm asking the Lord for while we're gone. I'm going to ask the band to come on out. I'm asking, I just want to know the Lord better. I just want to know God better. I, I want, I'm asking God, if you want to know, well, what are you praying for while you're gone? Why? Well, I want to know God better. I want to love him more. I'm asking God to make a deposit in me and my wife and my family, not only as a Christian, but as a spouse and as a parent and as a pastor. I just want God to make some deposits in me while we're gone. And I'm asking for renewed vision and clarity. If, if I didn't have a vision, we wouldn't have, have accomplished what we've accomplished over the last 16 years, everybody. But I want a renewed vision. I want renewed clarity. I, I'm going to be asking questions from the Lord. What, what do we need to, to cancel or change or create? What new direction would he have us go? 
what would he have me speak? What would he have me teach all of you when I, when I get back? And then, of course, when I return, I'll, I, I'm going to love Jesus more than I've ever loved him before in my life. And I'm going to tell you this, everybody. I'm going to speak this in faith. I'm, I'm speaking this in faith that I'm going, to carry your, I'm going to carry a heavier anointing that I've ever carried in my life as well. That the Lord, the Lord is going to pour himself out on me. And I need him to. If we are to accomplish as a church body what we need to accomplish, I need the spirit of the Lord upon me like never before. And I'm going to ask you to pray for that. Pray that the Lord would pour himself out on my wife and I especially. So I'll be a brand new man. I'll have heard from God. I'll be a better believer, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better neighbor, a better pastor. And I'll be a better leader with fresh ideas and more wisdom. And I'm, I'm gonna say it this week, this way, everybody, because we're finishing it right here. My wife and I have faithfully served you for 16 years. Actually, we moved to Plymouth 17 years ago last month. So in our world, it's been 17 years. But since the start of the church, 16 and a half years. And we have served you faithfully for that amount of time. And I'm asking, I'm just simply asking you to give us, to give me and my wife and my family your very best just for the next 13 Sundays that you're just faithful, that, you're, that you're, you're here every Sunday, that you're generous, that you're serving, that you're plugged into a small group. I'm asking everybody, after 16 years of faithful service, will you just serve me and my wife for 13 weeks? For 13 weeks, will you serve us? And I don't think that's too much to ask. And when we get back, we will be completely different. And I believe that this church will explode in a way that we could never think of imagine for the glory of his name, everybody. Not for ours, not for our fame, but for his fame. Amen. Now before I go, I'm gonna speak a blessing over all of you. This is my prayer to bless you before I leave. So would you stand up with me? And then we're gonna worship the Lord just, just for a few minutes longer. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And it's been a great day in his house, a unique day in his house but I'm gonna speak a blessing over you. This is a pastor's blessing. What, what I'm, when my wife and I are away this summer, we're still going to be praying for you every single day. You're still gonna be covered in prayer, I promise you that. But I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna pray over you with a very special prayer that the Lord gave me. And I want you to open up your hands toward heaven and just receive this blessing from the Lord. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for my church family. They are so very, very precious to me. They're very precious to you, Lord. And I thank you that they are such a wonderful gift. Especially during our time away, Father, I bless them with divine protection, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. And may they experience your power and your presence like never before. And may this room not only be filled with your glory every time they entered, but each person receive exactly what they need from you. I declare that this summer is going to be a season of growth in every area in which we are meant to grow. May every person who does not know you that enters into this place give them ears to hear and a heart to receive so that they will call upon you for salvation. 
Lord, our greatest concern is reaching those who don't know you. May you anoint every single person who stands behind this pulpit with the power of your spirit. Fill them with words that come directly from you. I bless them with joy as they speak the truth in love. I also declare that every attack from the enemy upon our church family, upon our church leaders would be thwarted by your power, by your might. I declare your blessings upon this assembly, and I give you praise in advance for all that you're going to do in all of our lives. Jesus, you get all of the glory, and we declare it in your powerful and wonderful name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.